This is Starting Somewhere, a podcast from the University of Melbourne, all about internships, finding one, landing it, and making the most of the experience. I'm Buffy Gorilla. I was voluntold to go put up drywall for Habitat for Humanity, and now I'm host of this podcast. And I'm Ben Pawson. I volunteered three times to get my first post-career change job, and now I'm co-host of this podcast. So we're clearly the best people to help you start somewhere. The buffalo pulled the minivan out of the mud. It was my job to help to organise this international press tour and invite press from all over the world on a national tour of a country that has very difficult roads, lots of mountains. We managed, my local colleague and I, to organise this and we travelled through flooded areas, we travelled through rainforests that was pitted with bomb craters, we travelled through rice fields that was absolutely strewn with landmines and bombs that were left over from the war. So at one point we did get stuck in the minivan um, with about 20 international press and the only way that we could get the minivan out of the mud and continue on our press tour was to secure the services of a local farmer who had two buffalo. And this lovely man brought his buffalo over and managed to hitch them up to the front of this minivan and The buffalo pulled the minivan out of the mud, so that created a lovely memory for myself, but also for all the international journalists that were there. We've been yammering on about internships for eight episodes now. That's nearly four hours of work, integrated learning, wisdom right into your ears. But what if a straight up internship is not for you? What else is there? Uh, From what we found, lots of other things can, as Professor Alan Blackman from Griffith University said back in episode one. Provides a bridge for students from their academic life to the workplace, ideally. But if we can belabor a metaphor for a moment, Professor Blackman doesn't specify what kind of bridge. Suspension, beam, truss, cantilever, or a good old cable stayed. As long as it gets you where you're going. So uh, could we ascribe different experiences to different types of bridges? Sure, why not? What do you suggest, Ben? Well, the legal internships definitely feel like a complex yet elegant suspension bridge. Okay, and what about the hard scrabble portfolio internships at several media companies? Uh, How about the straightforward beam bridge? (laughs) All right. I think we've gone a bridge too far with this metaphor. (laughs) Uh, Good save. So what did we actually find? We found a ton of alternatives, volunteer service, industry placements and projects, all of which can bridge the gap between uni and work. We've looked at a few Australian and American examples, but your country certainly has equivalent opportunities. And any good uni will offer clubs, societies, and industry projects where you can find some ideas that might work for you. Again, Google is your friend. First up, we found Michael Bergdorf living in the basement of my aunt's house in Duluth, Minnesota. He's working on his medical degree, but before starting that challenge, Michael took some time out to participate in AmeriCorps. I wanted to do an AmeriCorps job to take a little bit of time after college 
to figure out more direction and orientation in my life, as well as have the chance to hopefully give something back to a lot of people who might not always have those opportunities. As, as long as I didn't have so many social commitments and life commitments, it seemed like a great chance to figure out a lot about myself and then be more grounded before taking the next steps. And how old are you? Uh, currently 23 years old. And tell me a little bit about what AmeriCorps is. AmeriCorps is uh, very, very broad. I think in general, it's a chance for young people to take some time out of their lives and do something that they might not otherwise do. And in exchange, you know, get a lot of amazing experience and amazing community and then some loan forgiveness, which is always a nice thing. Michael will tell us more about his AmeriCorps experience later. So sit tight. Next, Vivian Gleason, a University of Melbourne biotech grad, currently working at the Burnett Institute. You've heard from Viv before. He stayed within the university system to get his first taste of work. They essentially put you in a team of about four people and you get paired with a biotech company in Melbourne or it can be in Sydney or basically anywhere in Australia. And the company will give you a real question. They'll be like, okay, we have this problem and we need you to solve it. You've got this much time to do it and we'll help you do it and we'll keep in contact. But but really it's about how do you solve that problem, this real world problem? Like it's not imaginary. And for most people it will be like, okay, wow, this is like the first thing I've ever to do that will actually have an outcome. And some of the outcomes from these projects are amazing. Like one of my friends who was a year behind me, he's published now out of this project. They, they wrote it up and it's now in a major journal. That sounds pretty sweet. And I hear that teamwork is the future and that industry projects are totally real world. I did one and it was a great bridge, a capstone, if you like, joining the gentle stone arches of my academic learning and my industry experience in, uh, I'll get my bags. <laughs> Please. But in non-bridge-related seriousness, an industry project or even volunteering might be a less competitive path. If everyone is applying for internships and your course offers an industry placement, it could be a good option to make that jump into the real world. If you are wondering, how can I sell my alternative experience? We'll explore that a bit later. So what else have we got, Ben? Well, maybe more for master's students, or if you have a bit of experience, organizations like Australian Volunteers International and its American equivalent, the Peace Corps. Buffy went on location. I'm in the lobby of the Peace Corps head office in Washington, D.C. I've just checked in and handed over my passport, which always makes me nervous. I'm here to meet Aaron Gibbs, who is chief of operations for the Office of Volunteer Recruitment and Selection at Peace Corps headquarters. The Peace Corps is a U.S. government initiative started by President John F. Kennedy with an executive order number 10924, if I'm reading this card right. For Aaron, what started as a typical Peace Corps service ended up being a lot more. I really thought whenever I joined the Peace Corps, I knew I wanted to change and I was looking for something different. And I totally expected that I would join the Peace Corps, go do my 27 months and then come back home and continue and pick up where I left off. And then being overseas and being exposed to so many different cultures and different type of people and different ideas and ways of thinking really opened up my mind. And I ended up wanting to stay abroad. And so I ended up staying abroad for nine years and was realized I was really interested in other cultures and traveling and 
really spending time in other countries and getting to know those people. And so it took me almost 10 years before I came back. And then I didn't, you know, I ended up kind of changing my career path as well as a result of my service. And one of the biggest surprises from my time with Aaron, you can do the Peace Corps at any age, but you need to be American. We also talked to the delightful Nicole Beck, who was a Peace Corps volunteer. Nicole was placed in Fiji and not the all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet resort Fiji, but helping in a Fijian medical clinic. Nicole explains how the Peace Corps fit into her career trajectory. So it fell postgraduate school after my first real job in social work. I had applied while I was substitute teaching. I couldn't find a job in my field, so I figured... Why not give this a shot? I had done some volunteer work overseas for a few months at a time and just really felt like it was something I would want to do longer term. At that point, I had worked in healthcare for about a year in a dialysis clinic for people who had renal failure or kidney failure. So I was a nephrology social worker for about a year. My placement was within a healthcare system in the Fiji Islands at their STI HIV clinic, working with nurses and other medical professionals, training them on pre and post HIV test counseling, just basic counseling skills. And then I would do some of that work myself. Australia has a similar organization to the Peace Corps. It's called Australian Volunteers, and it's also been around since the 1960s. The Australian Volunteers Program, it's a skilled volunteering program for all Australians to have the opportunity to go to a country in the Indo-Pacific, so our neighbouring countries like Vanuatu, Fiji, Cambodia in Southeast Asia, the countries that the Australian government's working with and supporting to help them achieve their development goals. It is a skilled volunteering program and we have many different kinds of Australians going on the program, all the way from recent graduates and early career professionals through to your highly skilled retiree expert end of the professional life cycle. Chelsea Parrish is the returned Australian volunteer network manager and a return volunteer herself. She had a placement in Laos. Chelsea explains why the program could be a good fit for people looking to start somewhere. A lot of our roles are suitable for early career professionals in that you might only need a bachelor's degree and one or two years of experience, and they might be generalist positions as well, such as communications officer or business administrations. So you don't need to be a development expert. You don't need to have 10 plus years of experience. And you don't need degrees in things like international development or international relations. So it's really those kind of volunteering positions where we require lots of enthusiasm, less experience, but also some solid skills that you would have as a recent graduate with your one or two years experience. That sounds amazing. And Australian Volunteers has a ton of skilled volunteer postings available. So check their website. If going abroad is your thing, or if you are just bilingual curious, your uni course may have some options. Here's Warren Fraze, who is a senior advisor, experiential learning, global leadership and employability at the University of Melbourne with some thoughts. How would you translate that into French? The university certainly offers 
internship subjects as well, which could involve working internationally. And that would be a credit bearing. So students really need to be aware that when they're doing their subject selection, particularly in undergraduate, not all undergraduate courses will do it, but some will. There's also opportunities for students to study internationally, and we, we have programs available for that as well. So there's a, there's a lot of support at the university if students are looking outside Australia and want to expand their cultural awareness that they can do and work overseas or study overseas at partnership universities. So there's a, there's a two-pronged attack there. These opportunities can help you gain similar types of skills to an internship. The variety of pathways were outlined in a research paper authored by Andrew Crane from the University of Georgia. In the next episode, he tells us some of the surprising facts about the links between doing an internship and getting a job. It's fascinating. But for now, Andrew? Yeah, so I started out looking just at internships but I also, you know, asked students about a variety of other things they had done on campus. And um, a lot of students reported, you know, similarly positive outcomes for things like, in particular, leadership experiences or student organizations, extracurricular involvements, that kind of thing. Just anecdotally speaking, I think a lot of students in my work, you know, one on one advising students in the Career Center at the University of Georgia, a lot of students may not be able to do unpaid internships for obvious reasons. And so, Things like networking can be really beneficial or, or more one-off projects. Those type of things are becoming more feasible with the gig economy and more freelance work. So there's sort of different strategies students can take to build their resume if they can't commit to a full internship experience. But that being said, I, I've seen a lot of students at the University of Georgia who have had some very significant volunteer experiences that sometimes they overlook because it doesn't have that title. It doesn't have that formal structure to it. And it's not until I get into that conversation with them as an advisor that it, it begins to become clear how substantial that experience was and how, how useful it could be for that student to market themselves. Often when I'm reviewing a resume with a student, that's something that comes up. Is there anything else that you haven't put on here? You know, What else are you involved with? And as we discuss, sometimes those things come out and we can sort of tease some of those useful things out before they get to the stage of having that conversation with an employer. If there are a variety of ways to bridge the divide between university and the workplace, what about leaping right across, getting a job straight after university, which is still a really popular way to start a career? And if Andrew's survey is to be believed, it's no less effective than an internship. I'm glad my metaphor is finally sinking in. But I'm interested in what happens to someone who goes straight into a job two or three years later. I want to know if those people are happy with their choices compared to a student who does two or three unpaid or even paid internships. You never did an internship after your undergrad. How was going straight into the workplace for you, Ben? Uh, to be honest, I probably could have saved five years of work by doing an internship in an interior architecture firm and figuring out that it was not completely for me. But it did give me a ton of skills that came in so useful later. But that would be a big old waste of time doing what-if speculations. Uh, you went straight into a job, too, from undergrad, right? So, same question to you, Buffy. I think if I reflect now, I had very few goals during uni. I had a part-time job that morphed into a full-time job after I graduated. I kind of stumbled around for a bit, and honestly, I think I let my careers choose me. It's only been in the past few years I've been the entrepreneur of my own career that we've talked about in this series, and I like it so much better this way. 
Indeed. Well, stay tuned for the next episode where we look at turning internships into jobs. In the meantime, we hear from Lauren Berger, the intern queen, about something we've not discussed much at all, the virtual internship. Before we had an actual physical office, Queen, we had virtual interns, meaning that we would set their schedule. So it was still pretty structured in terms of what days and times they were interning, but they would intern from home, from their dorm room, from their apartment, from their parents' house, wherever they were. So we would just communicate with them virtually rather than have them actually come into a physical office, which is which is what we have now. And is that just an intern queen trend or is that something you're seeing on a wider scale? I've seen it on a wider scale, um, especially as like the, you know, blogger trend has really escalated here. So if you have a fashion blogger who has a decent sized business, who earns a great income and can use an intern and can provide that intern with a great experience. So someone like that might want to hire a virtual intern that's not going to come in person every day just going to communicate with them virtually. And I think virtual interns can be fantastic. We've had some of our best interns as virtual interns. However, it's really important that a company sets a lot of parameters and make sure that, you know, even though there's not an office, the expectation is set that that intern is going to be available and interning between this time and this time. Wise words, Lauren. So we're on the fence about virtual internships. They need to be managed really carefully to be useful. But if they are, they can be good. Dodgy, who runs the Dodgy Internships Australia Twitter feed, explained more about them in our last episode. But it's worth repeating. You could also argue that a remote internship is providing opportunities to people in regional areas where there aren't many internships. So then I start thinking about that. Look, if a remote internship is going to be a legitimate thing, it needs to be so closely supervised, as in, you know, you're talking with your employer, mentor, whatever, every few hours, I would think, and, you know, having Skype meetings and all that kind of stuff. So I think maybe it could be done. I'm yet to hear of anyone who's told me they did a really great remote internship. And if you've had a good virtual internship experience, we would love to hear from you. We heard from Viv Gleason earlier about his industry placement. It was for a credit subject which gave him real-world experience, plus the benefits and challenges of working in a team. There are other ways to get involved and gain experience while at uni, if your schedule allows. It's a safe space to try things out which might interest you. Like Danuka Nanayakara, who took time away from his current job as an artificial intelligence consultant with KPMG's Solution 49X team to tell us about his experience with a university group. The Global Consulting Group is an organization that provides pro bono consulting services to other not-for-profits. It's a fantastic organization that I'm actually still involved with. Um, So I've been with them for about four years as a consultant student where I really got the experience that I needed to take to my internship and do a really good job there. And then now I'm sort of involved at a national level helping with their operations. What are some of the projects that you've helped out with? So it's an organization consisting both of professionals who are working in consulting, who want to volunteer their time to make a social impact, as well as students who want to use the skills they're learning at university in a real situation to kind of benefit society and also gain the kind of experience that they would normally get at a job. So some of our clients have included things like the Royal Flying Doctors Service, Salvation Army, did a project for the UN, which is pretty cool, the Lord Smith Animal Hospital up the road. So they've done work for a lot of fantastic not-for-profit organisations. 
So the project that you did for the UN, can you tell us just a, a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was actually involved in, in a different capacity at the time. So I wasn't on the team. I was more managing their Melbourne operations. But it was more actually helping the United Nations sort of optimize their internship program. The United Nations SCAP, the economic uh, they wanted to optimize their internship program to sort of have the best retention of the best candidates. They weren't really sure and how to do that. So we helped them out with that. It's doing real, genuine consulting work for real clients, but with the safety of operating in a university environment. And it's sort of the best way you can gain experience outside of an internship. Thanks, Tanuka. That sounds very work-relevant. And I did a little bit of LinkedIn stocking and did see that he had completed three projects, and his responsibilities included managing project scope, setting project roles and tasks, liaising with the client, presenting formal recommendations, and more. Bam! Skills! I'd look out for Danuka controlling robots in a startup near you soon. In other startup-related alternatives, Professor Colin McLeod, the Academic Director of the Masters in Entrepreneurship at the University of Melbourne, gives us another alternative to an internship. I have been involved in starting a number of companies. My wife started companies. My son started a company, which is running very well. There was some research that came out of the US recently, the National Bureau of Economic Research, so a real research powerhouse, that basically showed that the age of successful technology entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley is 45 when they start their business. And so that tells us that experience counts for something. And so I think if people wanted to start a, I guess, a relatively simple business where they could be self-employed with a small number of employees, you know, that's a great thing to do. I think if people want to start producing those, you know, really innovative companies, the, the sort of change the world type of companies, or even change the local society, then that actually, we know that experience actually counts for a lot. Education counts for a lot and experience counts for a lot. So maybe get that first startup out of the way early so you can disrupt something greater later on. Either way, a graduate starting their own business always looks good. And failure is just a part of success, not the opposite of success. Both the Australian volunteers and the Peace Corps equip you with skills you might never realize you need. But are employers looking for people like you? Will you stand out when you get back? I think that's a great question because for early career professionals, for our, our young professionals who go out and volunteer, what they learn, it's more than solidifying their professional skills. I mean, in any kind of resource poor environment, you're really stretched and tested when it comes to, oh, what can I deliver when I am the resource and there's no kind of way for me to outsource this to another person in the department because you are the department. So you really stretch your technical skills, but within that environment, you learn so much about the soft skills. So resilience, cross-cultural understanding, communication outside of a language. I'm talking communication with people who have different experiences and backgrounds and cultures to yourself. And those kind of skills, those resilience and leadership skills, skills around coaching and mentoring people, they're things that back in Australia, employers are looking for. Soft skills are really, really important for going forward in your career. Nicole Becker returned Peace Corps volunteer seconds Chelsea Parrish's thoughts. So the skills I, I would say I developed in those years were 
diplomacy skills, cultural awareness, cultural adaptivity, being able to be flexible is really important within the Peace Corps. There are days in which you feel like you're doing nothing at all. So you have to sort of be a self-starter create projects for yourself and also just a better understanding of what it's like to be the other or the outsider. Up until that point, I don't think I had had much experience being different or not part of the majority. So it really it showed me what it must be like to live not just in a new country, but amongst a culture that is so very different from your own. So a lot of empathy and self-awareness were cultivated in those years as well. Foreign adventures and industry placements are all well and good. But how can these experiences that are not internships lead to meaningful careers or just that first job? Can alternatives to internships give you a leg up? These projects definitely lead to certain places. And also, when you're across for your first job interview and you're talking about your experience, you're not going to talk about what you learned in Reg 101. You're not going to talk about, you know, a bioinformatics 101. You're going to talk about your industry project because that is actually what they want to hear. It's a real world problem that you solved. And it, it's something that you can quite easily objectify. You say these were the parameters. This is how I approached it. This is the outcome that we came to. And it's all done in a group. So you have to work together as well as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the projects are quite large. It would be difficult. <laughs> Could you walk me through what your project actually was? in your problem to solve, if you can talk about that. Yeah, so our projects, without going into too many details, it was about competitive intelligence. So essentially we were looking at a number of assets that CSL had publicly on their portfolio, and our role was to basically assess major competition in regards to those assets, but then also looking at lateral indications. So looking at what that asset could potentially do, and then also look at the field that that asset could potentially move into to see if it was entrenched, to see if there were major players in that area. And then basically just kind of write up a big report based on that with some recommendations. But if the skills you acquire in your alternative experience aren't 100% linked to your career, how can you sell that? Back to the dulcet American tones of Michael Bergdorf. Here's how he was able to dissect his AmeriCorps experience and apply it to his medical school applications. I see a lot of a lot of people kind of going down the, the checklist for medical school, saying that they need to have research, they need to have shadowing, they need to have amazing grades. But I think all three of those things sometimes can tend to isolate people and give them less experience with other people. And I think a lot of the things I learned in AmeriCorps were identical to what I hope to use in the clinic every day. In the end of it, my, my AmeriCorps job was being able to communicate with people from any different background, meet them where they're at, and then help them to feel empowered to accomplish goals. And so when it came to interviews for medical school, um, interviews for clinic board applications, anything else, I felt very, very prepared by my experiences and very confident as far as being able to complete those tasks that involve other people, really, outside of just making sure that I can get good scores. And at the end of the day, your alternative experience might just be a great icebreaker. And that is always helpful. Right, Nicole? I don't think I can think of one interview where someone hasn't brought that up, either in conversation saying, hey, oh, wow, the Peace Corps, I wish I would have done that, or 
Peace Corps, that's incredible. Tell me about your experience. Like, how would you use some of those skills after the Peace Corps? I worked in Chicago for five years and then went abroad working within international schools in South America. I think it really helped me to adapt to cultures, again, different from my own and kind of see myself staying in those places for a longer period of time. Wow, there are so many ways to start somewhere. And turning all of those ways into jobs is what Ben and I will be discussing in our next episode, our final episode. So listen up. Starting Somewhere is brought to you by the University of Melbourne External Relations Team. The producers and editors are Buffy Gorilla and Ben Pawson. Our supervising producer and original concept is from Dr. Andy Horvath. Thanks to everyone who has made Starting Somewhere a reality. Stay tuned for future episodes.